Welcome back then to Sporting Lives with Jonathan Doidge. Many thanks for joining me for part two of episode eight with the legend that is Eddie Gray, formerly of Scotland and of course Leeds United. Just a reminder that if you haven't already heard part one, you can do so on Podbean and iTunes by searching for Sporting Lives with Jonathan Doidge. But let's uh, jump back in now and uh, crack on with what Eddie had to say about the glory years at Leeds United, kicking off with that first major trophy win against Arsenal back in 1968. When you've got a side that's building like you had at the time uh, and playing good football, you know, it was, this was pleasing on the eye. Yeah. Uh, apart from the hard reputation, the football was, you know, there's no denying it was super stuff to watch. But at the end of the day, you've got to come home with a trophy yeah. to show for that. You went close in the mid-60s and then by the back end of the 60s, things have really launched here. I'm thinking of the League Cup in particular, that final against Arsenal at Wembley, which was sort of the launching pad, wasn't it, in terms of silverware? Well, that was the launching pad for the football club in general because it was the first major trophy the club had ever won. And it was a major trophy then. Uh, and that set the ball rolling. I mean, it was quite a short period of time, really. You know, if they, you know, they come up, you know, 63, you know, and then you know, trying to compete against the big boys. And at the end of the day, come 1967-68, the so-called big teams at the particular time, you know, the, the bigger clubs, if you want a better word, the Liverpools and Manchester United and the Arsenals, they used to fear playing us. I think there was about a 10-year period, I think we played the Arsenal about 26 times and beat them 20 times. Really? <laughs> Yeah, and in some obviously vital games like the League yeah, Cup final, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. famously in '72, yeah. but in, in games in general. So very quickly, um, Leeds became a powerhouse in the game, really, and that was all down to Don and his, his staff, and obviously, like like anything, you're only as good as the equipment you're working with, and Don had <laughs> good equipment to work with. Pretty good, yeah. So the League Cup, you played in, I think, just about all the rounds, uh, yeah. as well as the final that year, the Fairs Cup as well. What was that like, I mean, for a young lad from Glasgow coming down to Leeds and then and then dipping his toe into Europe? But the, the, was the, it the, exotic? The, the only thing about that, Jonathan, that's what I came to Leeds for. I didn't come to Leeds to play in second division <laughs> games. You know, I played yeah. to Leeds, you know, to play in the biggest games you could possibly play in. And that was... Probably, going back to my youth, I mean, like, when I was younger, you know, like, the history of Celtic football, Celtic won one of the biggest competitions in Britain, you know, when there was the Coronation Cups and Empire Exhibition, Celtic won them all, and European Cup as well. So, you know, I, was, I grew up watching a team that was winning, a winning team, and when I came to our football club, Leeds United, they became a winning football team very quickly. So it wasn't a hard transition to make for, you know, and, and when I played as a schoolboy, you know, I, I, you know, I played at the highest level I could as a schoolboy. And then I played for the Scottish under-23s when I was 18. And it was under-23s then, it wasn't under-21s, it was under-23s. So without being um, cocky or overconfident in your ability you've got to have that faith in it and you know that's why you know playing in big games is what I came to Leeds United for 
So, obviously, um, things move on eventually in the 70s to play the AC Milans, to win the Fairs Cup again, to play um, in the European Cup final on that um, infamous night. But talk to me about those early European days. You know, what, what were they like, the European nights? What, what memories have you got of those Fairs, the, the first Fairs Cup win, for example? Yeah, they were terrific nights. I mean, when you're playing against... Um, I mean, even you back to the, the 60s, you know, late 60s, the Hungarians were still a strong nation, you know. People like Benny and Florian Albert, they were terrific players. And, you know, you're playing against Upes Doja, who were a top team, and Ferenc Varis, you know. You're playing against, against a lot of great players. Uh, and it was something, I think, that that made the club go forward very quickly. You play, the better teams you play against, the more confident you become, you, you realise you can com compete with the best teams in Europe, and then it becomes a little bit easier to compete. It was never easy, but you know, you're more confident when you're playing against the top sides in England as well. So the build up to the games, I mean, as everybody knows, Don was a stickler for, you know, watching teams and used to all get a dozier on the teams and who you played against and their individual strengths and I mean funny enough at, at that particular time um, people outside the city at least sort of a mocked at a bit and look at the game now there's so many analysts going to games and watching and Don was way ahead of his time for things like that. I was going to ask you about the dossiers because in actual fact there's going to be an evening um, later on this year where I've got Dave Cocker coming along, yes. son of Les, as you know, and he said, uh, would you like me to bring some of Don's dossiers yeah. along? So I'm going to get to see these firsthand, but before I do, um, maybe for, for our viewers, you can tell us a bit more about what sort of stuff they would say. Well, did, you, did you get individual players oh, yeah. you'd be matching up against? Yeah, we'd get a dossier each, yeah. and we'd sit and you'd look at it, and uh, say right back, central midfield, central defenders, and the opinion, uh, say like, Said Owen and Morris Lindley, they were the people that would usually go to the games, you know, because we'd be busy playing probably at the same time. I mean, we played basically weekends and midweek, you know, every year for, for 10 years because we're in the latter stages in major competitions. So Morris and Sid would go and they'd come back and they would drop the dossiers and what they thought and Don would go through them and you'd get one and you'd be looking at it. Uh, and funny enough, I, I think it backfired a little bit with, with Don because when he went with England, because the players that he went with and joined then hadn't been used to that and I don't think they really took to it. Hmm. There's one or two did, you know, there's one or two players that I've spoke to that thought Don was terrific, but in general, it just never happened for them because that wasn't the way they were brought up. So, so let's be specific then, if you were playing, I don't know, um, Let's. I don't even know if you ever matched up against him, but let's say somebody like Tommy Smith, yeah, right back for Liverpool. Yeah, uh, you know, would it be saying Tommy will kick you up in the air as soon as look at you, sort of thing, or what? You know, would it tell you what, what how he would? Oh yeah, deal with yeah, the ball tell, and what, tell, yeah, tell you his strengths and his weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. What he thought was he pacey? Was he good in his left side? You know, and it's the same way. You know, say defenders say like Terry Cooper playing against an outside right. You know, Don would look at his dozer and say, "No good in his left side. Show him inside. Show him inside." You know, but certain players, it's, that's difficult to do. Even though if they're only 
you know, if they're stronger one foot than the other, yeah. because you can always make ways. You know, like you're playing against, you know, players like you know, George Best and, and Jimmy Johnson at Celtic. You know, they're players that are hard to stop. Whatever you try and do. Do, do you think ultimately they, they actually these helped or were there some players whose heads it might have clouded too much and they just needed to get on with their own game? Oh. I think there was um, maybe a few players that looked at them and, and took them in but wouldn't really pay much attention to them. I mean, funny enough, you know, from my point of view, one of the players would t- take least attention or pay least attention to it would be Billy. <laughs> you know, because Billy was a one-off. Yeah. Billy played the game. You know, like he was he just confident the, against anybody yeah, he played. Yeah, yeah. confident against anybody he played against. Where it'd be a, a defensive point of view in the middle of the park, winning the ball, setting attacks up, scoring goals. He did it all. A bit like Johnny Giles. The two of them could do it all. I mean, you get two players that play in central midfield and they score over a hundred goals each for the team. That tells you, you know, a lot about you know how they played the game. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of talk about midfield players now. Well, he's a holding midfield player. You know, like, to me, a midfield player is a midfield player. He worked box to box, you know. And that's what Bremner and Giles did. You're listening to Sporting Lives with Jonathan Doidge, my special guest, Eddie Gray, formerly of Scotland and Leeds United, and more from Eddie in just a moment's time. But just to remind you, if you haven't already heard part one, then please uh, pop along to Podbean or iTunes, wherever it is you're accessing this particular podcast and give that a try. And part three, well, that's going to be out soon. If you've got any particular requests for future guests from whatever sport that may be, could be Leeds United, could be football, but um, as you know, I cover a range of sports, then please do drop me a line on jonathandoidge at hotmail.com. That's jonathandoidge at hotmail.com and uh, do me a favour as well please do click subscribe on both iTunes and Podbean let's jump back in then here's Eddie Gray part two we're going through the Leeds United years of course um, talked about winning the the League Cup and the Fairs Cup in the first instance and then moving through uh, to that first championship win because of course that was something special and I'm not dismissing the whole season and the work you put in um, with the massive points haul you yeah. got that year, but just to be there, it must have been something special to be there on that Anfield night where Don told you all to walk towards the cop. That's yeah, we <laughs> a thought scary Don, moment in its own way. Yeah, we thought Don had lost his marbles <laughs> when he said that. You know, you're playing away from home, you're playing against your big, biggest competitors, and you've just won the league there. <laughs> but to be fair to the Liverpool fans, they all started champions, chanting champions, and it was a great occasion. Uh, never forget it. And, you know, certain players that played that season throughout the season, to me, you know, they, they don't get the accolades they deserve. Mickey Grady. Yep. Mickey Grady, I think, played 38, 36, 38 games out of the 42 that year, yep. which was tremendous. He was he was terrific that year. You know, so there's a lot of players that, for by the players that I played with, that everybody knows, there's also players that in and around the club come in, maybe a season or two and done a great job. The Chris Galvins, for example. Yeah, well, Chris, Chris come in, never played as many games as Mickey Grady. You know, but even before that, you know, like, you can back to the, the 67 League Cup final with Jimmy Greenoff. And Jimmy moved on. I think what, what it was then, that 
Don brought in players and the players he brought in like Mickey Grady were very successful and then Don moved people on to he got the side that he felt could carry the club even further you mentioned Mick Bates of course as well Mick Bates early on. yeah Mick, Mick played lots of games I mean you know the first cup final Mick scored against Juventus yeah. you know so yeah Mick, Mick was a terrific footballer you know like I've got to be honest, I've said this to Mick so many times. I could never have done what Mick did. I could have never, never been seen an understudy. Should he, have, should he have gone somewhere else and would he have been a... In, a my, in my mind, yes. Because he was a top player, he was a top midfield player. You know, he, he proved that when he played at Leeds. But that was Mick's mentality. Mick, Mick was happy. I think Mick always felt that he was never going, going to get in midfield on a regular basis in front of... Billy or Johnny or even myself if I played there and that's no disrespect to him I just think that Mick should have had a little bit more um, ambition for himself yeah. you know he loved the club he, loved, he was at the club with me when we were 15 joined the club at the, exactly the same time spent all the years with Don at the club but I just felt you know if I wouldn't have been playing the side I wouldn't have done, I've got to be honest with you, people go a bit loyalty to the club, but first and foremost, you know, you've got to look at you, yourself, you've got to want to play at the highest level, you've got to try and get as much ability, as much out of your ability as you can, and I felt that Mick could have moved on and, and done great things at other clubs, he had opportunities, Mick, mm -hmm. but Mick, he was, he was happy playing for Leeds United, and and you know I'll always respect Mick for that and he, as I say he's, he's one of my best mates in, in life uh, but you know even to this day if we're discussing football you know I still say him you should have moved on <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's go into the FA Cup winning year yes if we can skip to that um, 72 still the only uh, time that the, the clubs lifted the cup despite several attempts, Sunderland the year after being won. Well, Chelsea, um, Chelsea before. before. I mean, um, we should have won the FA Cup, there's no doubt. At least three times, you know, um, the games we played. Um, but winning the, the Centenary Cup final against the Arsenal, who are always been one of the top clubs and classiest clubs in the whole country, was a great occasion. Um, great header for Ireland, you know, good move. Mick Jones getting injured yeah. and his, his arm going. Uh, all led to the, you know, the, the excitement and the drama of winning the FA Cup. I mean, it wasn't very good for Mick, but people will never forget that, you yeah. know, Mick getting helped up, Norman helping them up. And, and, and you mentioned, we mentioned Chelsea briefly there. I mean, remiss of me not to mention that in more detail because, of course, you, <laughs> you know, at Wembley in the, in the draw, um, one of the great individual Wembley performances. Yeah, but the disappointing thing for me, uh, although, you know, I've got a beautiful trophy at home, the Man of the Match trophy, which is a wonderful trophy of the Twin Towers, um, was a disappointment to no one in the FA Cup. You know, it's getting back to what I said earlier, you, you know, you come to a football club and your, your aim is, first of all, to get into the team, first and secondly, to, to win things. And we never won the FA Cup that year, we should have won it. Um, and ironically, the player I played against at Wembley, he scores a winner, David Webb. Yeah. But they switched David Webb to central defender then and put Ron Chopper Harris to, to mark me. And uh, 
I knew, I knew what Ron was going to do, you know, many years <laughs> later, no, no, that long ago, seven or eight years ago, I met him at golf in St. Merlin and they come up and they tapped me on the shoulder and they asked me for his studs back, <laughs> you know, I just burst out laughing, you know, so that was how football was played in those days though, but we should have won the FA Cup in, in 70, but you go into 72 and then, you know, the, winning the FA Cup, you forget all about the, the Chelsea game, you win it. And the next thing you do, you're looking forward again. What can we win again? And, you know, you, you go into a 73 FA Cup run and I had, you know, like my biggest regret at the football club is obviously I, had a, I got a thigh injury when I was 16 playing against Sheffield Wednesday. Ironically, the club I made my debut against when I was 17 and it troubled me all my career. You know, I, I reckon it would have cost me about another about three or four hundred games for the club. You know, I, I missed a lot of games mm. in that period. And it should have been a period when I was uh, coming to the, the, the peak of my, my powers as a footballer. And that's why, you know, like, although I'm in the Hall of Fame in Scotland, I only get 12 caps because, you know, I, I was struggling to play two games in a week. And don't in those days, you know, it wasn't as if you had an international break. You know, you'd have to play on the Saturday for your club, leave and get up and play midweek for your country and come back and play on the Saturday. And Don didn't want me to go to a lot of games, which I could understand. And in that 70, after 72, 73, my, my thigh really started giving me big trouble. And I never played as many games between what should have been the peak of my career. Uh, that I've liked. You don't strike me as a as a man who has many regrets. No. That things were what as they were. Yeah. But is that if there is one, the fact that it says Eddie Gray twelve Scottish caps against his name. When you think about the player you were, you think about the opportunities that Peter Haddon played and, yeah. and Billy of course fifty four. Even my brother, my brother's got thirty yeah, caps. Yeah. yeah. yeah sure. you know, oh no. I wish I'd have been fit enough to play, but. A realizer, wasn't it? I mean, people, you know, talk, used to say, you know, about me and you know, injury prone. I'm never injury prone. I had this bad injury that just wouldn't go away. Yeah, if it have looking back when I was 16, uh, if it have happened now, it wouldn't have been a problem in my career. But just then, going back then, the medical side of things weren't they, what they were so. Probably that was a, a bit, of, a, a little bit of disappointment, but I understand why it happened. You know, I don't blame MD for it because that's just how things were. I probably tried to play too quick. The type of treatment I was getting wasn't it. You know, when I look back, wasn't it right? I know that now. So you know, like instead of my muscle getting a chance to heal, my muscle was bleeding all the time and calcifying, so I'd have to cut the calcification out. So, and it was my left foot as well, so the muscle in my left leg is shorter than my right, right leg only because they're having to cut bits out all the time. Mm -hmm. I had about four or five operations on it. And at that particular time, around about the 73, 74, I think I only played one game for Brian, and that was the Charity Shield Cup final. That infamous game when Billy <laughs> and Kevin get sent off. Yeah. Yeah, uh, John, it was strange, wasn't it, how, um, how Giles's elbow was met by, you know, Kevin Keegan's head. I mean, what was Kevin thinking? 
Yeah. So, sorry, joking, <laughs> Kevin. You know, you know um, the, the funny thing is, um, it was nothing to do with Billy, that. Yeah. I mean, John caught Kevin and Kevin reacted and he thought it was Billy. So he started to wade into Billy and the two of them had a bit of a tussle then, two of them get sent off and uh, <laughs> the shirts come off, which wasn't a sensible thing to do. And so it just, you know, the, the two of them get basically done for bringing the game into disrepute. Those were the games I loved, I think, most probably as a child growing up watching you all play. The Liverpool games, and it was maybe because of the Anfield thing back in, um, you know, the title winning year, yeah. the first time around, but there was a, a real sort of underlying mutual respect. Both teams wanted to beat each other, both sets of fans did, but yeah. I think there was a, an acceptance from each side that this lot were pretty damn good and there was a lot of respect there. Oh, there was a lot of respect. I mean, going back to the, the 65 Cup final. You know, Liverpool yeah. were, you know, they were the top team then. You know, they were they were obviously up and coming as well, as well. But they had some terrific players, the two wide players, Callaghan and Thompson, Ian St John up front and Roger Hunt. They were a strong side, big Ron Yates at the back. Yeah, they, were, they were a good team. And when we played them, we knew, first and foremost, we knew it was going to be a physical battle. They would work as hard as us. Uh, we'd be physically strong. So you had to match them, but also they were good footballers. Um, and I think that's where the respect came from, because I think they felt the same about Leeds United. So there we have it. So that was part two of episode eight of the Eddie Gray story. Still part three to come where we wrap things up, look at Eddie's managerial career, his continued love of Leeds United, and of course uh, the fact that he had to sell brother Frank uh, as well, for which his mother never forgave him. Uh, great stuff from Eddie. Many thanks to you for tuning in to Sporting Lives with Jonathan Doidge. Do go pop along to uh, Podbean and iTunes and give me uh, a follow or subscribe, please. And also have a look at the video versions as well on YouTube. That is Sporting Lives with Jonathan Doidge. And there is also a Facebook page um, where you can follow on at Sporting Lives 1. And it's the same on Twitter at Sporting Lives 1. Many thanks for doing so. Plenty more episodes to come as well. And as I mentioned before, if you do have any suggestions as to future guests, then please drop me a line on uh, jonathandoidge at hotmail.com. Thanks for listening.